<clears throat> my parents, uh, growing up, uh, we never owned a car. Uh, when, when come to think of it, uh, it's kind of crazy. Uh, I have five sisters and a brother, um, and there were nine of us, and anywhere we had to go, we always relied on public transportation. Um, and, you know, it was reliable when it was reliable, and when it was not, it was not. So that was our life. We kind of depended um, on buses, trains, and different things, and we visited people, did everything without ever owning a car. So I didn't quite grow up with a car. Uh, what that meant was well, the first car I ever owned uh, was when I was 25 years old, uh, and I was always curious about mechanical stuff and things like that. So I kind of buddied up with several different friends, whoever could teach me about the car. Um, I would kind of go and learn from them, and uh, it was great. Um, uh, I, you know, I, I just loved it. Um, so there was one day I was driving the car, and all of a sudden there was this something showed up in front where the speedometer was, like something showed up, and it freaked me out. I was like, what the heck? Why are these lights working? And the crazy part about that, right? Like when the light came on, right? Like the little, little yellow light came on. And I was like, it still runs. <laughs> like it stopped. It, it, like it, there was nothing wrong with it per se, but I was still freaked out. I didn't know what it was. So I went to my buddy and I said, hey, can you look at this? Like what's going on? Like everything still runs just fine. It stops. It's not like the brakes are out or anything like that. You know, and he's like, that's the check engine light. I was like, all right, what is the check engine light? <laughs> and he kind of explained to me that, you know, the car's telling you something's not quite right, you know. And he said these profound words to me. Um, he said, don't ignore it. Don't ignore it, right? He's a brand new car owner, and, you know, I paid attention to it. I paid attention, but as days and years pass by, I tend to ignore it. <laughs> How many of you ignore check engine lights? I need to see hands, like tell the truth, people. Dan, never? Wow, wow, we always have one person who leads a perfect life, and everybody that's Dan Wicker's right there, right? Like, I mean, think about the excuses that you give when, when it comes to check engine light, right? Like, what, is, what are some of the excuses you make? You know, I'm too busy. Like, I'll get to it later. There's nothing, you know, it's not a big deal. You know, if another light shows up, then I'll take it to the mechanic. Sometimes you feel like, you know, I don't like my mechanic. You know, I, I don't want to quite go there. Earlier this morning, I said, I hope Pastor Cindy doesn't say that. And there was somebody in the back that looked to somebody else and said, why? Because Carl's a car mechanic, just in case y'all are wondering. So <clears throat> anyway, uh, right? The check engine light keeps coming on, and, but sometimes we, we tend to ignore it, right? We tend to ignore it. This morning's scripture um, kind of is telling us not to ignore certain things, right? And that's my prayer as we kind of read through this meditation and have this conversation about what the author of Hebrews is telling us, uh, that if there is a checking engine light in your soul, that you would pay attention to it, that you would take time to listen and hear what your soul is saying. If something is blinking in your heart, that you would pay attention to it. There are three things um, that uh, this morning's scripture are talking about. One is to care for each other in mutual love. And the second one 
is that we, that we care for strangers that are around us. And finally, that we live with contentment. Mutual love. The author of Hebrews is talking about mutual love. The word mutual love is philos. It's brotherly love that we show love to one another. One translation said that we store each other in Christian love. The beauty of being part of a church is that we are a community. Uh, we don't have to be related through blood, <laughs> but yet we can love each other. That is what we are called to do. Last week, Pastor Cindy, you heard her talk about joining a small group. And friends, one of the ways we can live into mutual love is being part of a small group. You know, when you are part of a small group, we get to love on one another. We get to hear each other's stories. We get to pray for one another because God created each one of us to be in community. And I just want you to think about this. Uh, just a couple of years ago, uh, from March through October of 2020, right? Our doors were closed because of uh, the coronavirus pandemic, right? Our doors were closed to the public. And I've still yet to meet somebody who said during that time, man, I loved it. I didn't have to see anybody. I didn't have to talk to anybody. I kind of lived by myself and it was perfect. I I'm yet to find somebody who rejoiced in that fact. Because friends, we are created to be in community with each other. Quite to the contrary, right? I've heard how challenging it was, how difficult those months were for us being isolated from everybody else and how it had a deep impact on our mental health. But the scriptures today call us to show mutual love for one another. See, we cannot communicate mutual love when we are in isolation from one another. We are called to learn each other's stories, have opportunities to laugh together, to pray together. And when we begin to learn someone else's story, our perspective about them changes. We are called to do this. It's an opportunity for us, friends. <clears throat> and it's really hard to dislike somebody that you can laugh with. We are called to live in community. We are called to live in community. And this is what Paul had to say in 1 Corinthians 12. Hear these words. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For we are one in spirit. We are all baptized into one body. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not your hand, I do not belong to the body. What would that, would it make any less be part of the body? And if the air should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. We're all a single member where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. See, Paul here is using the analogy of the body to talk about that each one of us plays a significant role in the body of Christ. 
Our church is incomplete if we decide not to be part of this Christian community. Every one of us is called, who's sitting here, is called to be Mount Hope. And together, we make a whole. Each and every one of us has a purpose in this community. And friends, it's not enough for us just to come on Sunday and be here and go home. We need to be in community together. We need to be in community together. We, I urge you to join a small group. For when we read the scriptures together, we grow in our faith. I hope you will take the time to be part of one of the small groups that are going to be launching next month. The second one is, uh, is about caring for strangers. How many of you ever worked with middle school students? Coach them, train them, anything, right? All right, all right, cool, 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 cool. All right, I'm going to write a book. It's going to be a New York bestseller. <clears throat> and the reason it's going to be a New York bestseller is not because of the content, but because of the title. This is, this is going to be the first. It's going to happen, you know, and you all can say, I remember he was talking about it. You ready for the title? All right, life is middle school. Right? Life is middle school. If you ever hung out with middle school kids, you don't know what you're going to get. You don't know if you're going to get a mature kid who's going to sit there and have a deep philosophical conversation about how life exists and the purpose of life. Or if you're going to walk into the room with the same set of kids and they're going to be making noises that are not appropriate. <laughs> right? And don't even get me started about the drama. Oh my goodness, there is so much drama in middle school. Oh, Lord have mercy, right? See, one of the things I loved about working with middle school students is I think one of the biggest challenge, right? For them, I felt like they were trying to find their place when I worked with them. They were trying to find their place because every single one of them, the most popular kid and the most insignificant kid in that group, every single one of them wanted to find their place, wanted to find a place that they belong to, right? They wanted to fit in. They wanted to feel like they belong. And I think that is something that we all do as adults. You know, we have ways of hiding it sometimes. We do it a little bit better than others. The author of Hebrews says, when we care for strangers, we have actually entertained angels. Think about that. And he has a biblical proof for that. The story comes to us from Genesis chapter 18. It's a story of Abraham and Sarah. And Abraham, um, as I've said before, he's our patriarch of our faith. Our faith comes because of what Abraham did. Right? And so this is what Abraham did. Abraham... Abraham was sitting outside his tent and he sees three strangers and he runs up to them and he, and he meets them and he says, if it's okay, could you come stay with us? Could you come and be with us? And then he goes and makes a big meal for them and he cares for complete strangers. What is beautiful about this story is Abraham knew who the strangers were, right? He knew those three individuals, they stood out like a sore thumb in his community. He knew that they didn't belong there. 
He knew they did not belong there, and yet he ran after them to make sure that he showed radical hospitality. That's what, that's what Abraham did. And he blessed them. He blessed them. And here is another beautiful thing that happens in this story. Abraham, for years leading up to this point, he didn't have any kids. He's been wanting to have a kid forever and ever. And God did not provide an heir for him. But when he cared for these strangers, there was a blessing in that. These strangers tell Abraham, next time when we're here, you're going to have a son. And Sarah here overhears that conversation and actually laughs. And that's the reason they named their son Isaac. It means laughter. Friends, when we care for those who feel like they don't belong, that they don't fit in, when we look around and we see somebody and we, and we can point out who those are, right? When we care for them, we are doing what Abraham did in terms of uh, in how he cared for strangers. And when we do it, when we do it, when we do it, we care for those around us. And we will be blessed as well. A friend of mine tells a story uh, about church growth. She said, I have the finally, I figured it out. I have a secret for church growth. And I said, what? And he said, there was this one couple in my church congregation. And she said that every Sunday, and someone new walked into the, through the doors, they would just walk up to them and said, would you like to go out to breakfast or lunch with us? And they would take them out for lunch. And they, would, they had the opportunity to break bread with them. And then they would then connect them with other families because they had an opportunity to break bread together. Friends, I hope that we, that you, maybe God is talking to you today to show radical hospitality to those around us. I hope God is speaking to you. And finally, the author of Hebrews talks about living with contentment. Living with contentment, not to love money. One of the things that I have learned or have seen over and over again, it doesn't matter, when, when it comes to living with contentment, it doesn't have to do with your bank balance. You can be the richest person and still love money. You can be, not have a lot of money and still love money. And I've seen on the other side as well. People who have a lot of money living with a sense of contentment. And those who didn't have any money living with a sense of contentment. What I mean by that is these individuals viewed money a little differently. They saw money as God providing us with this. And what God provided is enough. They were able to hold their checkbooks and their bank balances and look at life and say, this is enough. This morning, the question that I ask us to think about is, what occupies your priority? Are you living with contentment? And one of the best ways, one of the best ways, if you are saying, Pastor Johnson, I hear you. One of the best solutions that I have for those, for us to live with contentment, with being able to say it is enough, 
One of the best ways we can do this is by serving. When we begin to serve those who are in need, when we begin to care for somebody else, we begin to realize how many blessings we have. Friends, this morning, I want to invite you to two ministries uh, that are happening here at Mount Hope. Uh, one is Bread of Life uh, Ministries, where we serve um, for 40 families, about 35 to 40 families each week. You can be part of that ministry. We do it once a month. And also, we're starting a new service um, project where we are helping our older adult members. We're going to go into their homes and uh, do some minor home repairs and do some yard work for them. And I hope you can be part of this ministry. There's information out in the Nortex for that. Friends, do you have a check engine light that's on? That's saying, hey, take a look at this. Do you have a check engine light in your heart that's on today? I urge you to consider showing mutual love to one another. Taking time to be in community with one another. I urge you to show kindness, radical hospitality to strangers, and to live with contentment by serving those who are in need. Let us pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your spirit shows us the check engine light, convicts us. God, may we be sensitive to those lights that are going off in our hearts. And God, we ask that you would give us the grace and the strength to tend to those. We ask all these things in your name. Amen.